Oh, my God. 
five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. A song for my dear friend. One of my favorites. Composed by Yitzi Waldner. Mimikuim Oh, 
so much. איזה קהל יש לנו הלילה.
Yeah. 
J.M. in the A.M., Ellie Schwebel with We Are One here on a Friday morning, Erev Shabbos at J.M. in the A.M. Uh, we'd like to think that we're always one, but especially as we get close to a holiday and all of us together around the world are going to be celebrating together. 
then we uh, believe even more that we are one. Ellie Schwebel with We Are One. Adir Adirenu done by Shlomo Katz. Yehuda Green, Yanki Lemmer, and Yaakov Shweki with their versions of Mimkomcha. And, of course, Regesh Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. Welcome to a Friday. It's October the 11th, the 12th of Tishrei. The year 5780, Tufshin Pei. I haven't said that a lot in the last uh, 12 days. Tufshin Pei. Zarev Shabbos Parshas Hazinu with candle lighting time in New York at 602. 602. Your official candle lighting time. Sunday night is the holiday of Sukkis. We're getting ready for that. Uh, Monday, by the way, is Columbus Day. So a lot of people who have to take off Monday and Tuesday for the first days of Sukkot. Hopefully for you, it counts only as one day because Monday happens to be Columbus Day. Just saying that uh, hopefully the the burden of having to take off uh, days for Yuntif is eased a bit for those of you who have Columbus Day as a legal holiday. 54 degrees outside with 54% humidity. Winds are north at 9 miles an hour. Mostly cloudy today with a high temperature of 65. Then tonight, partly cloudy, a low 54. Tomorrow, partly cloudy, a high 72 degrees. Yushalayim is at 83. We're at 54 here in New York. Looks like good weather for the first night of Sukkot Sunday night, which is always important. I hope it's like that everywhere else. All the different people tuned in from different cities around the United States and certainly people tuned in in Israel and around the world. I hope everybody will have good weather and uh, easy weather on Sunday nights that you'll be able to uh, sit in the sukkah and enjoy the first night of Yom Tov, which as we know is the most important of all the nights. And then subsequent to that, I hope the weather's good, you know, the entire Yontif, but you get my point. Sunday night, you want to make sure it's really good. We're back Wednesday. Those of you who are... uh, who are anticipating our live programming during the Sukkot holiday. Wednesday is when we will continue, starting at 6 a.m. Eastern time with JM and the AM Wednesday. Cholamoid. Reminder that Six Flags will be open Thursday. That's a great adventure, Six Flags. They are open uh, Thursday under the auspices of NCSY. Go to ncsygreatadventure.com. That's ncsygreatadventure.com. For all the information regarding that, uh, a reminder that there's a great concert schedule. Um, yesterday, we spoke about Mordechai Shapiro and the Yeshiva Boys Choir and the Sephardic Boys Choir, all being at the Ford Amphitheater at the Coney Island Boardwalk. It's going to be a great show, 5 p.m. on Wednesday, Cholamoid. 5 p.m. on Wednesday, Cholamoid. That'll be a good one. Um, so check that out. Uh, JewishTickets.com, a great resource. Uh, JewishTickets.com has the Miami information, has the Shiva Boys information, has the Uncle Maishi information, has got everything. Uh, JewishTickets.com has, uh, I, I shouldn't say, um, I, I when I said Uncle Maishi, I didn't mean Uncle Maishi, I meant Suki and Ding because uh, Suki and Ding are presenting the Sukis Circus, an all-new show. The Sukkis Circus, both Wednesday and Thursday, Cholomoed at Lincoln Center in New York. All that information is up there at jewishtickets.com as well. So it's a great resource. Check it out and uh, enjoy um, all the uh, information at the jewishtickets.com. All right. 
and that'll be a wonderful place for you to start in terms of Cholamoid events and things you may want to do with your family. A weekly update is scheduled for 7.40 Eastern time this morning. By all indications yesterday, it does seem like uh, Malcolm Holmline is going to be joining us. We didn't get 100% confirmation, but it, it did seem, uh, based on the way yesterday went in our conversations, that we would be able to have a weekly update today. So we'll be doing that for you a little later on here in this uh, broadcast, 7.40 Eastern time. And uh, I'm trying to think what else I wanted to share with everybody. Um, Rabbi Yudin, of course, will address the uh, Shabbos of Hazinu. He will address the uh, upcoming holiday of um, the upcoming holiday of uh, Sukkis, which starts on Sunday night. That's all coming up at 8:15 Eastern time when he addresses us with the Torah portion of the week here at JM in the AM. Yonatan Sheinfeld is next. You're listening to JM and the AM Friday morning Erev Shabbos here at the Nahum Siegel Network.
Thank 
The Sukkis Medley off of Welcome Back Yom Tov. Before that, Micha Gammerman Sukkis Medley. Hashem Melech from the Waterbury album. Bussi Ligani from Yonatan Sheinfeld. It is America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listener sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web, and AlchemSigil.com, and the AlchemSigil Network, and of course, in the beloved NSN app. Friday morning, Galaitzal in the background. Sunday night is the holiday of Sukkot, an amazing month of Tishrei, both in Israel and around the world. I hope it's the same for you. Galaitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday. Erev Shabbos follows next. We say Boker Tov from JM in the AM. גליצל מירושלים השעה 2 כן אבי גמולקה ממה שקורה עכשיו חשד לרצח בקריית ביאליק גופת אישה בשנות ה-30 לחייה נמצאה בדירתה המשטרה חקרה את בעלה בחשד למעשה ועל פי דיווחים הוא נחשד בעבר בעבירות אלימות נגדה עורך דינו של הבעל מסר כי הוא מכיש כל קשר למעשה, כתב אלו קובי מנדל מעדכן כי שוטרי זיהוי פלילי סורקים את הדירה במטרה לאתר ראיות. פרס נובל לשלום יעונק לראש ממשלת אתיופיה אבי אחמד עלי, כך הודיעה ועדת הנובל באוסלו. אבי זכה בפרס על פועלו לקידום הסכם שלום בין ארצו לאריתריאה. המדינות האפריקניות ניהלו אימות מזוין מתמשך יותר מ-20 שנה. אבי גם הוביל תהליך דמוקרטיזציה בארצו, הסיר את מגבלות הצנזורה מהאינטרנט ושחרר מאות אסירים פוליטיים. מלשכתו נמסר כאומה אנו גאים לזכות בפרס. ראש ממשלת אתיופיה נבחר מתוך רשימה של 301 מועמדים שהגישו זוכים קודמים בפרס. זהו מספר המועמדים הגבוה ביותר מאז 1901. ילד בן שמונה נפגע מאוטובוס ביישוב במזרח השומרון ונפצע בינוני. צוות מגן דוד אדום פינה אותו לבית החולים הדסה עם קרם עם חבלות בפלג גופו התחתון. ידיעה שעביר כתבנו יאיר אורבייטו. 
הרב יהודה בן דוד מאשדוד הורשע בביצוע מעשים מגונים בשלוש אחיות בעת שהיו בנות 14, 12 ושמונה. היום גזר עליו בית המשפט ארבע שנות מאסר. על פי כתב האישום בן דוד תקף את האחיות מספר פעמים בעת שהגיעו עם משפחתן לבית הכנסת. בכתב האישום נכתב כי הוא ניצל את הערצתן אליו כדי לבצע בהן את המעשים. אלירן מלול, החשוד ברצח אשתו מיכל סלע, זיכרונה לברכה, מסרב לעבור בדיקה פסיכיאטרית למרות בקשות המשטרה ובית החולים. מלול סירב לשתף פעולה בחקירתו השבוע. על פי הנהלים, שירות בתי הסוהר אינו יכול לקלוט אסיר שלא עבר בדיקה פסיכיאטרית אם התבקש לעשות כן. היום צפויה המשטרה להביא לבית המשפט בקשה לכפות את קיום הבדיקה. בתחזית מזג האוויר, הערב יהיה בהיר עד מעונן חלקית ותחול ירידה קלה בטמפרטורות. מחר לא יהיה שינוי ניכר, ובתחילת השבוע הבא, התחממות. אלה החדשות שעורך יותם לחובסקי. Seven days had ended now 
Shabbat meal we eat is really quite nutritious. Can I have some chicken served on Ima's special dishes? Soup and challah, candlesticks, kiddushin is delicious. When I was a little boy, I felt really glad. I looked forward to Shabbat meals because every one I had would be a great experience and put me in the know. Listen to the singing and you think you're at a show. Hey! Soup and challah, candlesticks, kiddushin is delicious. Every Shabbat meal we eat is really quite nutritious. Can I have some chicken served on Ima's special dishes? Soup and challah, candlesticks, kiddushin is delicious. Guests would come and go, each Shabbat meal was heaven sent I hear words of Torah and it really made a dent So now that I am older I can do the same you see With my wife and children there's no place I'd rather be Hey! Soup and challah, candlesticks, Yiddushin is delicious Every Shabbat meal we eat is really quite nutritious Can I have some chicken served on Ima's special dishes? Soup and challah, candlesticks, Yiddushin is delicious You know we're not singing it in the right order Which is candlesticks, Kiddush, challah and soup But then the song wouldn't work now, would it? So look forward to the Sabbath each and every day Cause observing it real well can help Mashiach come our way Take a day for resting and it will improve your life Um, for example Yes? Shabbat really changed my world For my kids and my wife It's great for me and you Soup and challah, candlesticks, Hidushin is delicious 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 Shalom Aleichem, Malachi, Hasharet, Malachi, Elyon Hamlachim Hakadosh Baruchu Oh Shalom Shalom Alechem Oh Shalom Shalom Alechem Oh Shalom Shalom Alechem Boachem Shalom Alechem Hashalom Shalom, Malachi, Hashalom, Malachi, Elyon. 
JM in the AM. Just saw an amazing uh, piece of news on Facebook. Mazel Tov to Lior and Janet and the entire Hode family and the Rosen family. Tyler and Avital have announced their engagement. So Mazel Tov to um, Dahlia and Maish Rosen and, of course, to Janet and Lior Hode and to uh, Tyler and Avital. <laughs> what amazing news. And, yes, the Hodes, Baruch Hashem, are celebrating yet again and uh, the smachot, the wonderful simchus, should continue and just keep going and going and going. What amazing news. J.M. and the A.M. on this um, Erev Shabbos as we get closer to the holiday of Sukkot. Yitzchak Fuchs with a song called Sukkot. Sukkot Shalom done by Diaspora. Schlock Rock with a nice uh, collection. Shalom Aleichem, Soup and Challah. And Sukkot Nights, the latter two from the album Almost on Broadway here. At JM the AM, Erev Shabbos, Parshas Hazinu, candle lighting at 6.02 on this Erev Shabbos here in the New York area, 6.02. Sunday night is Sukkot, as we said. Uh, we're off Monday and Tuesday, back on uh, here on uh, on Wednesday, starting at 6 a.m. Eastern time. Make sure to be tuned in uh, here at JM the AM. Information about what's happening with NCSY on Thursday, Cholamoid. Six days from now, New Jersey NCSY is taking the entire Six Flags Great Adventure, the entire park. Um, the entire park, Six Flags Great Adventure. Uh, you can go to uh, ncsygreatadventure.com for ticket information, ncsygreatadventure.com. You can also donate tickets for families that uh, would not be able to Enjoy a wonderful Cholamoid activity like Six Flags. Uh, just go to, um, again, ncsygreatadventure.com, ncsygreatadventure.com for all the info uh, for everything that you need. I want to take a look for a moment. Let's see, Thursday would be six days from now, right? Is there an early indication about the weather for Thursday? Yeah, right now we're, uh, right now for Thursday, partly cloudy, low 60s. That's not bad at all. So let's hope that holds up. Uh, weather for Sunday night in this area looks good. I hope everybody around the world has good weather Sunday nights. You could sit in the sukkah certainly for the first night of the holiday, which is such an in, an important night to be in the sukkah that we know. Um, then on top of that, there are some uh, concert events. If you go to jewishtickets.com, jewishtickets.com, there's a lot of information. Yesterday we had Mordechai Shapiro, Ellie Gerstner, Yassi Newman all in studio here at JM and the AM. We had a great, great time. We really had a great time. Um, and everybody out there, uh, everybody out there has an opportunity to see Mordechai headline with the Yeshiva Boys Choir at the Ford Amphitheater in Brooklyn, 5 p.m. Wednesday. Go to JewishTickets.com, JewishTickets.com, and it's five. PM on Wednesday. Chef Red picked up on our Lenny Solomon Schlockrock Marathon. Thank you, Chef Red, and a great Arab Shabbos to you. Yiddy says, Good morning. I haven't heard Lachad Dodi from Derech Achim in a while. All right, we'll see if we can dig that out. And of course, uh, listener Daniel, Shabbat Shalom and Chag Sameach from Atlanta and AJA Carpool number 255, still singing the Yom and Narayim tunes. Yes, those high holiday tunes stick around for a while. I wonder if the carpool is. Uh, is carpooling on Wednesday, or do they have off the entire Sukkot? 
I wonder. Either the kids are about to get 10 days off or they're just off for the first days of Yom Tov. Whatever the case may be, make sure the carpool tunes into us the next time they're together uh, driving these streets of Atlanta, Georgia. All right, Friday morning broadcast, JM in the AM weekly update, 15 minutes away. Keep it here, everybody, at the Nahum Siegel Network. David had no fallers. What a beautiful sukkah! Such beautiful decorations and the stars shining above the schach. We take the lulav and esrog and wave in all directions. 
back and forth, right and left, and up and down, to show that Hashem watches over us wherever we are. Did you ever shake a lulav, a lulav, a lulav? Did you ever shake a lulav on a soap's day? Upwards and downwards and sidewards and backwards. Did you ever shake a lulav on a soap's day? Did you ever shake a lulav, a lulav, a lulav? Did you ever shake a lulav on a soap's day? Upwards and downwards and forwards and backwards. Did you ever shake a lulav on a soap's Take me out in the fall Put some schach on top of me Then decorations up to the wall We will shake, shake, shake the lulav Along with the esrog too With a one, two, three hadassim and two Simchas Torah, it's time to dance. Wave your flags and raise your voices as we sing and rejoice that Hashem gave us the best present anyone could ever have, our precious Torah. Everyone, let's dance! Moshe 
J.M. in the A.M., a song that we really fell in love with during the Amam Narayim season, that Shuva done by Ohad here at J.M. in the A.M. Derech Achim with Lachad Odi that came off our app, a uh, request off the app. Um, what else do we have here? <laughs> Someone write, oh, happy birthday to Maishi Rosenwasser. Maishi Rosenwasser, happy birthday to you from all of us here at J.M. in the A.M. Someone writes, Shabbat Shalom and Chag Sameach. May your sukkah stay dry and your lulav stay fresh. <laughs> what, the, what are the chances are of both those things happening for the entire uh, holiday? Um, some people want to hear my little sukkala. A sukkala, a kleina. Got to find that one. Uh Based on what we heard yesterday, we think there is a weekly update today. Just waiting for the... Uh, Official connection with Malcolm Honline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. We will keep you up to date regarding that if you keep it right here at JM in the AM. bus in Mobile, Alabama The sun was slowly setting on the bay It was six o'clock on a summer Friday afternoon Shabbos was an hour away I walked around the town wondering what to do Shabbos is no time to be feeling Then I saw a man who looked the same way too I was quite relieved to find a fellow Jew I asked the man I saw how many Jews in this town He said to me there used to be a minion around But one of us passed away and we've been feeling down Yet now it seems as though another Jew has been found Won't you stay with us for Shabbos, Minion Man? Down Winston Avenue, a block, then two more And went into a shop that read closed on the door There was a minion in the back of a hardware store Nine men waiting for one more We ushered in the Shabbos with a beautiful song The chazan had a voice that was clear and strong Sang out as one all Shabbos long Then my riv came again, I had to be moving on I asked the man, I saw how many Jews in this town He said to me, there used to be a minion around 
Now that was 20 years ago, but the vision is clear. And I think about it now and then, cause the place is still dear. And when I make this trip through Mobile once every year, I remember the men who prayed here. Now the minion is gone, a few died, some moved on. But the back of the store still remembers this song. The nine men who waited, the one came along. How Shabbos was carried on a song. I asked the man, I saw how many Jews in this town. He said to me, there used to be a minion around. But one of us passed away and we've been feeling down. Yet now it seems as though another Jew has been found. Won't you stay with us for Shabbos, minion man? Oh, won't you stay with us for Shabbos, minion man? Please, won't you stay with us for Shabbos, minion man? J.M. in the A.M. Yeah, we have the weekly update coming up, but who would dare interrupt the song Minion Man? You kidding? I'd never hear the end of it from our listeners. Friday morning broadcast, JM in the AM, 602 candle lighting in New York. You know, Malcolm Honlines in Israel, one of the best uses of our time would be to spend the next half hour just convincing people to get to Israel for a Chag or to travel to Israel in general. But I don't know if Malcolm would agree. Apparently, there, ha- there are some big news items that happened this week. <laughs> so I don't think he'd agree with that. Big shout out to our friends at Jewish worldreview.com before Shabbos and certainly Sunday before the holiday print out thousands of articles about Israel and the Jewish world and enjoy them over the uh, Shabbat and Chag by um, going to jewishworldreview.com jewishworldreview.com and we thank them for recommending our amazing network to uh, all of their readers on a regular basis Malcolm Honline is in Israel Baruch Hashem and he is executive vice chairman of the conference of presidents of major American Jewish organizations. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM, and a Gemar Tov to you. A Gemar Tov to you. It's great to be with you and to have an opportunity to speak from the holy city of Jerusalem, which is electric right now as people anticipate the great events of the coming days after seeing the gatherings of 100 and 150,000 people on successive nights at the Kotel. I understand in, in before Yom Kippur, uh, even uh, in the days before Yom Kippur, there were more than a million and a half people at the hotel. Wow! In the in the weeks um, over of Slichot and uh, building up to Rosh Hashanah, and now that number has been uh, greatly uh, uh, augmented with all of those who are coming and who will be coming for Birkat Kohanim and everything in the city. And there are so many new developments at the City of David, which we visited yesterday, at the tunnels, at the excavations that are going on there, developments in both places, no matter how often you've been here, you've got to come again. There's so much to see, so much excitement. It's incredible. A um, couple of points. First of all, you, you've you said it, uh, you're right, you're spot on with your description about the upcoming, uh, or the days that lead up to the holiday. Uh, many people, understandably, even if they haven't been in Israel for Sukkot, can imagine how incredible it is. What you're describing is how amazing this run-up to the holiday is, these few days beforehand. The city is just uh, 
in the mo- and the whole state of Israel is in the, in the most incredible mood and the coming off of Yom Kippur and then and then the moving forward towards Sukkot with this Shabbat in between, which is also pretty unique. Um, it, it really is an amazing feeling. Secondly, uh, I think because we have, thank God, I mean, you certainly more than anybody, uh, have the opportunity to travel to Israel so often, we do forget, and that's why I said it, it, it was only a slight joke about spending the next half hour just speaking about traveling to Israel. We don't realize just how many people, um, Jewish people here in the United States of America, forget other parts of the world, who have never been to Israel. People who have never visited, who've never taken a tour, uh, people who are too old to take advantage of birthright, because we know at times it, it could certainly be cost prohibitive to, to get to Israel or travel anywhere halfway around the world. And it, 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 it may not be such a bad waste of time, frankly, to just remind people that one of the best things they could do for themselves is to plan a trip, whether it's a Chag or any other time. And I'm sure you get the same feeling that I get very often that because of this unique opportunity to travel there on a regular basis, we don't realize how much other people are missing. First of all, there's two sides to this. One, that we not take it for granted. When we think back that our even our parents, but certainly our grandparents and great-grandparents didn't have this opportunity didn't see Israel rebuilt to be here and to be a little part of it and at least to be witnesses to it. And the, and as I said in my comments earlier, we're exactly in this vein, that there's so much excitement. There's no other place in the world where you feel Shabbos, you feel the Yom Tovim, the Hagin, to walk on, on Yom Kippur and not see a car anywhere, any place, to the feeling that permeates that whether religious or non-religious, everybody commemorates in the majority, overwhelming majority of Israelis fast uh, on on Yom Kippur, and it's it's um, uh, it's something that you sense in every store, in every marketplace, everywhere you go, and to see all the things that are closed on Yom Kippur, on the Cholamod, on Sukkot, not on Cholamod, but on on Sukkot itself, and how people prepare and the supermarkets, everything so stacked with stuff as uh, that will quickly be depleted as people buy everything that moves. Have you met the uh, Aravas guy that's uh, overcharging? Have you met him yet in the street? <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't met that one, but there are plenty of them around. So someone told me today about one of the guys that's selling the, the Aravas that you want for you. But boy, did they want a premium price for it. I'll tell you that much. And Malcolm, I don't mean to put a damper on this, but I always think it's important in terms of the perspective, not for Jewish history, the perspective for the Jewish future. I did see the aerial shots of Slichot at the Western Wall. Believe you me, I saw them, took great pride, and felt like you did. It was one of the most amazing scenes and sights I've ever seen. Uh, but we do know that that is a that is a very especially when you see the aerial view. It's a small, little area of the Temple Mount area that our people were dominating, and I am hoping for the day, as we said in our tefillot um, uh, on Yom Kippurim just a couple of days ago. I am hoping for the day uh, when, in fact, we not only rejoice on the holidays on the Temple Mount, but we rejoice on the holidays within the Temple itself. Uh, the binyan that we are all looking forward to. So, yes, I loved the photos that you're referencing, but we still have a lot of work to do. We do, but uh, when we walked from the Meishiloh, from the Shiloh pool, uh, 
and up the steps, you know, that were discovered, the walkway where all the people were all regal, everybody who came to go up to the temple, and you feel like you relive it, that walking on those stones and the actual stones and seeing a coin from from the uh, period of the re- revolt to see ashes from the time when the temple burnt, the actual ashes uh, that have been discovered now as they uncover this incredible roadway that will eventually lead all the way up under the old sea wall to the Temple Mount itself, that that the you you are part of history, but it's part of the future. And they want to take away our past, to take away our future. And here we have the chance to re-experience and to give your kids the experience of a lifetime to be connected, to feel this, and they will it will remain with them forever. So it, it's not a tourism pitch. It's about who we are and what we are yeah. and enabling us at a time of challenges like we face, and I'm sure we'll discuss, this in, in strengthens us, emboldens us to know that we are able to meet all of these challenges. Last point, by the way. You mentioned two-thirds of Israelis fasting on Yom Kippur. When you, and, of course, the figure was a drop higher years ago, but when you think about it, with the population of Israel getting to where it's getting, uh, in the you know, I mean, we're getting close to ten million at this point. That that you know that number continues to grow like it does, and still we're maintaining a fasting and Yom Kippur rate in the sixty percent range. That is unbelievable. Obviously, there are plenty of people who'd like to see it higher, but you get my point. It is an unbelievable statistic. And again, folks, keep it in mind that the population of Israel continues to grow, and yet that statistic again it may drop a bit, but it's certainly maintaining itself beautifully. It is such an important thing. I, I was quelling, and I know you appreciate this, on, on Wednesday, excuse me, on Tuesday morning here at JM and AM, we played the Galitzal News. And just to hear Israeli radio reminding people when the fast starts and ends and how bus service is going to be curtailed and stopped for 25 hours. I mean, I, I, again, our predecessors would never, ever have believed it would have been a dream for them to make up a radio broadcast like that. And we get to live it at this point every single day, which is just remarkable. All right, there's a lot of news to get to. Is there a um, is there a thaw in the Cold War between Netanyahu and Lieberman? Are there more proposed negotiations going on to finally get this government in place? There does, does not appear to be, and it seems that most of the talks have, have yielded no progress. Uh, obviously, everything is on hold now. The prime minister is away for the week, uh, out of his office, and the um, uh, although there may be various clandestine approaches to different parties and discussions, uh, informal discussions, um, the fact is that not much is happening. People are, are waiting for the uh, attorney general's report. And now that the um, the pre indictment hearings are, um, and presentations are over now. He has to make a decision whether to bring charges, and I think that will affect the outcome. The Likud party has demonstrated the unity in backing Netanyahu. Right. Um, Important but point. The, that, that would be affected by the outcome of the um, um, outcome of what, what the, the uh, legal process will be, according to a lot of the people. But the um, but right now Likud is is holding together as are the other parties um, so far. But we will see. It'll take. A, I think after the hugging, we'll see. But so far Netanyahu has not returned the mandate, but I believe he will. 
and then it'll be up to Gantz to try and form a government. And there are people, many people, who are telling me now that they think a third election is, is a likelihood. Wow. But not a big change. In, so far, the polls show that there wouldn't be a radical change in the, in the outcome. But, you know, they face so many issues and, and uh, challenges now that people are anxious to have a government, a stable government that's in place. Um, and I think that the people will demand more of the leadership in terms of this and uh, taking the steps that are, are, are necessary. When we see, uh, you know, Iran escalating its rhetoric and its threats, and um, I think that the the people um, are concerned about what they think the direction of U.S. policy and their actions in the Syria and, and vis-a-vis the Kurds. You know, everything is a layer upon layer of um, that is essential to have a strong government in place that can address these issues. Malcolm, if there was another election, what month would it be in? Or, or sometime in early 2020? Yeah, February, probably. Wow! So you need to give three months of notice, and the Knesset would have to vote it, so they don't come back until what, the end of October, so November, December, January, yeah, probably February. And these sources use the word likely. They said the likelihood of a third election. Increasingly likely. Unbelievable. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web and NahumSiegel.com and the NahumSiegel Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Wow, likely Israeli election. Malcolm, whose missiles hit the Iran oil tanker? Well, that's going to be, it's a good question. They're obviously pointing a figure at Saudi Arabia. They're, they can point a finger at others. Right now, no, there's been no determination yet, and we will have to see. We see that the, the um, escalation, the rhetoric, and the challenges between Saudi Arabia and Iran continue. Uh, Iran is also concerned about the Turkish invasion in, in, in Syria and has uh, opposed it. Uh, offered, in fact, to negotiate or mediate between Syria and Turkey, which has been turned down. Uh, they say only the Syrian army can fight to protect the border, meaning that it shouldn't be Turkey. Turkey is obviously escalating its operations there, and um, I, the international community seems to be paralyzed uh, to a large degree. The the Kurds. Uh, the civilian populations from the border areas are evacuating. Did President the Kurds are put in? I'm sorry. Did President Trump and the United States administration abandon the Kurds and leave them uh, leave them out there to dry and um, and, uh, and and really allow essentially for Turkey to uh, commence with this uh, invasion? Well, we removed our troops, and the the president has said that he will bring economic disaster on Turkey if they exceed the, what needs to be done. But the question is, what what measure is that, and why we would have allowed this in the first place? Because when the president supposedly went into the call with Erdogan, it was to oppose it, and then um, somehow agreed with Erdogan or gave him the green light. Uh, for this, which sends a message, and it's a cumulative message, after the failure to respond to the drone attack or to the um, attack on Saudi Arabia, and, and and now this, that that we don't create the perception, the concern is that we should not create the perception that America is not staying by its allies, and they're not, is, they're not ready to, to uh, take action when necessary. 
They have imposed sanctions. The sanctions are harsh and work on Iran. Uh, we have sanctions on, on Turkey as well. But this is a very visible as, and symbolic, if not only um, military action, that sends chills across the region. And even here in Israel, many articles have appeared about it. Um, and the, the, there are people saying, well, we should not get involved in a war. The Kurds, the Kurds stood by us. They were the fighters who really took on ISIS most effectively. And I think Turkey's in for a surprise for what, because they can bomb, and they certainly have military superiority over the Kurds. But bombing doesn't control territory. You can defeat an enemy, but you have to have troops on the ground. And they're going to find really stiff resistance. The Urshmaga are really... Tough fighters, the IPG will be, uh, I think, present a military challenge and could bog down Turkish troops, though they will have, uh, as I said, overwhelming, uh, overwhelming force. Uh, Turkey has options. They can release a lot of the migrants. They can, um, you know, they, they plan to move the population into northern Syria, which also has implications for Syria and for demographic balances there. Uh, so, the inaction of the international community in dealing with the immigration crisis gave Turkey this uh, uh, upper hand in, in having that threat and taking these steps against uh, YPG, which they call a terrorist organization, uh, has now created a new dynamic in, in the region. We're seeing a lot of hot spots that are developing, and each one uh, adds to the instability in the region. Egypt and Ethiopia, for instance, are, are very near a very serious clash because of the diversion of waters of the Nile um, in Ethiopia, where it begins and go- goes through, meets the, it's the Blue Nile, meets the White Nile in Khartoum, and goes to Egypt, where it provides 90% of the water for irrigation for uh, drinking and and the something Egypt has always been extremely sensitive and warned them about. But now they're going ahead with this, um, the plan for the great dam that the, they've said that they are going to build there. And this becomes really a source of tremendous tension. And you could end up with both military and, and uh, conflict and other um, or things short of it. But certainly uh, that's a possibility. Prime Minister of Ethiopia was yeah, awarded the uh, Nobel Peace Prize. Right. And, and he was uh, he rejected the proposal calling for an effort to maintain, because he called the uh, the proposal by Egypt, you know, uh, maintaining the um, colonial-based water allocations, and they, the Egyptians attacked them for inflexibility and asked for international mediation, which Ethiopia rejected. So this is a one of, just one of many tension-filled um, potential conflicts in the, in the region that we have to look at. We see also Hezbollah, escalations the, we got, the, the we got, movements towards the going yeah, on we got to go back for a second to to the kurds for a moment what is the at, at what point will president trump say it's enough if he's if he and washington are looking toward what erdogan is doing and and have in mind based on what you're saying have in mind some type of guideline um when when you know they would recommend or demand that you know turkish action would stop there how close are we to that? What is what is that guideline where where Washington will say you know enough is enough? I don't know, and I don't think it's been explicitly stated. Stated the president has used different terminology, but saying that he knows when it occurs, 
uh, and keeps warning Turkey, but there's no measurable um, dimension to this that, that you could say that at this point it's too much, at that point it's not too much. It's too much now, uh, according to many, and the feeling that the, of abandonment and the, the perception that is created is already done, and now we have to make decisions based on, on how do we look at the long-term stand of the United States. We're not talking about he, the president has said he doesn't want to have further military involvement, but there were a lot of things we could have done in before. We knew that this was coming, and the question is what message do we send and how far Turkey goes when they start bombing increasing areas? What happens to all the ISIS, the thousands and thousands of ISIS soldiers who are there under uh, control of the Kurds, who say that they will turn to fighting the Turks and release the ISIS people? Turkey said they would take in all of them, but nobody's thinking about what happens if thousands of ISIS guys then uh, can rejoin the groups in Iraq and Syria and, um, you know, can join the fight against uh, our, our long-term interests after all the blood that was shed to, to get them into these prisons and to take control of the situation. And, and that's just one manifestation. Right. So with that in, of, with, uh, with that, with that in mind... Again, to the average guy like me, it would sound like Iran and Syria have no problem then with what Turkey is doing. Would that be accurate or not? No, Iran has a lot of problems with what Turkey's doing. And the Syrians have problems because this is challenging their army, their forces. The control now for that area will turn to Turkey, and the Syrian army will not have any effect there. So you're not unifying the country. So they are very much opposed to it. So, so just the fact that um, that ISIS fighters would would have more access and freedom, that's not enough to make Iran happy. For as far as Iran is concerned, just like Syria, they end up losing control over a certain region because of Turkey's actions. Right, and they don't <clears throat> they don't want to see these ISIS guys just uh, you know running around loose, right? Because um, they, they want stability in Syria in order for them to be able to advance their military and other interests there. And as you know, they are doing more and more in terms of uh, the uh, militias and others that are, are moving there. They're trying to build the infrastructure in, in Iraq to bypass it. They just opened the crossing between Iraq and Syria, which was uh, was touted as increasing the flow of goods. And, and Iran made it very clear that it was increasing their military operational capacity because they would have this easier route to cross over. And and Russia so, and, Ru- and and Russia would prefer if Erdogan what? No, Russia? they don't they want stability in Iran, they in in uh, Syria. Syria. Yeah, they want to maintain their control which they've done with very limited forces. They're not in a military position really to challenge. To use their, so there's their no so nobody's happy with Turkey's action. Nobody's happy with what happened this week. I don't think anybody wanted the Turkey to do this, uh, certainly NATO has objected, um, but the and and the countries uh, involved. Israel came out very strongly against it. Russia spoke against it. So everything um, you've told us about Erdogan acting unilaterally and seeing himself as as the ultimate, you know, down the road, the ultimate leader of a much larger region. And by the way, did you see the? Um, I, I, I don't remember exactly now. I, I believe it was his statements about uh, the old city, the Temple Mount. Um, uh, I, I don't remember exactly what it was, but, but everything you've told us in terms of his ultimate goal, it seems that's what he's working toward. 
he is working towards hegemony in the region, just as the Iranians are. And they, they, one wants the Ottoman Empire, one wants the Persian Empire to be rebuilt. And, um, and remember, we have a significant Jewish population in, in Iran, in Turkey yet. Um, and their situation is always sensitive. So the, um, um, yes, he is, he is moving on his, uh, aspirational goals at a time when his economy like that of Iran is in free fall. The currency has fallen again. And, um, you know, they're not benefiting their people who are are suffering from um, unemployment. You saw the results of the elections, which were certainly an expression of dissatisfaction. But uh, they they go on the agenda that they set. And you see that the international community today appears to be generally uh, powerless. Erdogan, Erdogan needed an opportunity to flex his muscles, to show the world that he's serious about you know military expansion. And I guess this was the easiest target. No, they, they see this, that YPJ is a terrorist organization. They have carried out attacks. They, but they, and, and they, the problem is that this affects the larger Kurdish population also. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were looking for a pretext in order to act against them and to clear the border where the YPG has been operating and do challenge. They did challenge, uh, and, and both internally, externally. Um, but the, you know, the, the Kurds have been allies and have been friends to the United States and to Israel and have good relations with them. And it's more than that. It's the lawlessness. It's the fact that all of these countries that you can, as you said, the attack on the Iranian, uh, uh tanker, right. But remember all the attacks we had against, and, and even Iran seizing the British tankers, et cetera. It's almost as if we have a, a lawless region, and that the, you know, the we, the United States, the West, the, the NATO, everybody uh, is sitting with their, you know, criticizing, but sitting on their hands. Yeah. Um, all right, we got to move to Germany. People want to know uh, what you know about the attack on uh, Yom Kippur in Germany and the reaction, the reaction of German officials and others uh, to what occurred. Uh, you and I, of course, we're hoping we can get through the high holiday season without any episodes anywhere around the world targeting uh, Jewish sites. Unfortunately, many of us on Yom Kippur heard about uh, what happened in Germany. What can you tell us about that episode? Well, obviously it was very serious. It was a, an armed attack, whether it was an individual or more still unclear that they did say that there were some other people who may be co-conspirators. Uh, others said it was just uh, him, uh, this one uh, neo-Nazi, um, maybe associated with the National Socialist Underground, which was very active in the early 2000s um, and uh, took aim at, against and, and targeted pro-migration uh, politicians. Uh, and this guy, the, the two people were shot, did not appear to be uh, Jewish, although he did try to enter the synagogue. And again, an argument about the importance of synagogue security. And the people inside said they were prepared to, to uh, fight and to, to take him on if it was necessary, but they were able to prevent his entry, and he then just shot people on the street and inside, a, I think, a falafel shop. But we know the number of attacks is almost 600 in, in 2018, they attribute many to right-wing causes, although they lump together Muslim and right-wing. Um, 
But whatever it is, we, we know that there is a dangerous escalation everywhere in Europe and including in Germany. The Prime Minister Merkel visited the synagogue, but at the same time, in discuss, discussing uh, Hezbollah and the and obviously uh, she said that you know the attacks and the verbal attacks to threaten to destroy Israel. This is just anti-Israel rhetoric and not anti-Semitic. Well, that sends the wrong message. There were ten Americans in the synagogue. I mean, and this was uh, the 70, 80 people who were there. Right. Uh, thank God everybody was fine. But we got to understand how serious the, the attacks are across Europe and the uh, and that we cannot separate these and what the leaders of the Iran Revolutionary Guard say when they say they want to destroy Israel, when the leaders of Iran want to say they, they want to destroy Israel, and Germany keeps pushing for keeping the JCPOA and to, to uh, sustain trade with a regime that openly threatens to destroy the Jewish state, and through that, the Jewish people. I know that um, it's different in a way when we're, when we're dealing with uh, with people who are threatening Jews and they don't have weapons on them, but you, know, you mentioned lawlessness, and I'm sure you've heard, even though you're in Israel now, I'm sure you've heard over the high holidays here of episodes, Brooklyn, Staten Island, and I'm sure many other cities in the United States where where Jewish kids are being terrorized. That, that, you know, it may sound dramatic, but that's essentially what it is. People who feel they have, you know, uh, the run of the place and can, and can go ahead and, uh, and, and terrorize Jewish kids and chase them and, uh, and make them feel threatened, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I, I, you know, the only, the only I, I keep attributing a lot of this, as you know, to a certain attitude that uh, that the police, unfortunately, in this area have to have at this point because they're so afraid of uh, of every action that they take, uh, and I think there's a feeling that you know the bad guys uh, you know f- feel they have a little bit more slack, so to speak. But this is getting this is getting serious. This is getting uh, to a point where you know if if local governments are not going to step in and create an atmosphere that this is not going to be tolerated, then we're heading down a really bad slippery slope. Well, we've seen this sharp increase, especially in the New York area. I think NYPD does take this very seriously. We know about the briefings for the holidays, the assignment of, of police to synagogues. Um, but there is a general attitude of leniency on the parts of uh, the educational system, the judicial system, police at times, where these incidents are not treated with the seriousness that they should be, meaning that even what appears to be a minor incident has to be dealt with or else as you said, it gives license to others, and yeah. dismissing it as, as useful, you know, excesses is not right because these guys then take with them the hatred and the belief that they can get away with it and spread it to others, and then the incidents uh, escalate. And many of them are not harmless. Many of them are not without uh, uh, without victims, and the psychological damage that's done that's to the individual that's uh, targeted is serious enough. And I think the the um, the fact that this synagogue in Germany had taken the security precautions, how many of our synagogues have still to take the necessary precautions and not to make our places uninviting and not to do anything else, but to to make sure that everybody is safe and that we take the steps at our schools and in our JCCs and every other vehicle to prevent the attacks. And that means that the entire system has to be devoted. I know New York City created an office on this. The question is, how does it translate? What are the resources that are being allocated uh, to fight the, 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 the rise in the, of, of 
specifically anti-Semitic, not all races, not all things, specifically anti-Semitic attacks. The others have to be addressed, but this is in particular. And, you know, the lies, the distortions, the misrepresentations in the media have to stop also. And, and the misuse of the Internet and stuff to spread these messages of hate have to be addressed. And we, we have to see to it that the community acts in a unified, and God willing, this year we'll see more of the efforts that are being initiated will come to fruition, and, um, and, and we will counter this trend. Uh, the condemnations, the verbal condemnations are important. It's the actions on the ground that count. And I don't think our public officials and, uh, and government officials realize the severity of it. And I hate, and you know what it's going to take in order for this to become a serious issue. Because they're being... They're being and you know, when there are positive... Yeah, sorry, but I just want to say, when there are positive steps, it gets no coverage. You know, there was a thing called the Charter of Makkah, that was adopted in May in Saudi Arabia and Mecca, where the leading Muslim scholars from 137 countries offer guidance uh, on concepts that champion moderate Islam. And, and their statements, what they demanded of people, and said what Islam demands, nobody promotes that. They don't, you don't see the credit and the need to hold people just to the account of what of what they said and, and respecting the other's legitimate rights and the rights to existence and to advance laws to deter the promotion of hatred, the instigation of violence and terrorism, the clash of civilizations. I mean, that gets no message and no mention, the uh, positive efforts, but the negative guys get, get the limelight, and then that becomes the reward for them. And we have to say that our society, that means our media, our entertainment sectors, the internets, which influences so many of the youth, really, we have to scrutinize it and, and, uh, and not hide behind the, the excuse of freedom of speech. We want freedom of speech protected, but there has to be limits like yelling fire in a crowded theater. That's what's happening today. Yeah, 100%. And we, uh, we all felt and hoped that the existence of the state of Israel would curtail that. We also hoped that uh, as things were improving in, in most major cities in the diaspora, that it would continue to head in that direction. And sometimes we get these stark reminders that the anti-Semitism is there and there are people who want to act upon it. Uh, there are a lot of people saying very outrageous things. I'm sure you've seen all the stories about <laughs> people who blame water problems on the Jewish community and people who blame infrastructure problems in this country and other countries on the Jewish community. And you know, as long as all these things go unchecked, that attitude, that collective attitude toward the Jewish community is not going to improve. If anything, it's just going to... And the lies, and this, you're absolutely right, <clears throat> and you can't underscore what you just said enough, even when it seems relatively minor, and the New York Times writes about the Jordan Valley, <laughs> and such a distorted uh, a story about the... They don't mention the thousand Palestinians come to work there, the, and, and tens of thousands who work in Israel every day. That nine percent of the of the Jordan Valley is a buffer zone along the Jordanian border, and that much of it is a restricted area because it's a fire zone, uh, and uh, I think at forty six percent of it. So it's not that Palestinians are barred from living there. People are barred because it's a military zone, not because of anything else. It's restricted to Israelis as much as it is to Palestinians. But the whole story about what, why the importance, why Jordan Valley as a buffer zone now seeing what's going on in Iraq, to have given them free access to a short trip across Jordan, underscores why for Jordan and for Israel it's so so critical. And yet the lies can just continue, 
and and go unanswered, and they feel that they, they, there's no standard to which they are held. Yeah, 100% true. We have to be aware of this, and as you always say, these are these are things to be discussed with government officials, especially when they're back in their hometowns this time of year. Everyone has to make people aware of what's going on out there and how public statements and public action led by government officials are so critical at this time. Um, and also, can I just say that there are MOUs, Memos of Understanding, being signed with Arab countries that are neglecting and negating the Jewish claims to their heritage, meaning in countries like uh, Algeria and Libya and Yemen and others where they're specifically saying that they can keep the secret Torah, that we recognize that these are all their property or their patronage. I mean, it's outrageous, and the United States is signing on to these deals one after another. We have a couple more coming up now. It's imperative people make their voices heard to Elliot Engel and the House Foreign Relations Committee, to Secretary Pompeo, to any of the parties that are involved in this, that this practice has to stop. We already signed several, and they make specific reference to the Jewish, uh, uh, sometimes to the Jewish uh, memorabilia and relatives from our communities who should have the rightful claim to them. We'll wrap up with some good news. Sunday night in Jerusalem, clear in the upper 60s. Not bad Sukkot weather, huh? And Honduras recognizing Jerusalem as the capital. The Republic of Nauru recognizing the Jerusalem as the capital. Wait a and second. Population. Which is which is better news? That you have good weather Sunday night or that Honduras recognizes Jerusalem? <laughs> well, for me, the, 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 the first about the weather is much more important. But I'm not being selfish. I wanted to be sure with everybody that these recognitions are are important as they mount, and the uh, and also the study that came out of the Brandeis, which is university periodically updated their claims are 7.5 million Jews here up from wow. what was it uh, 6.7.1 and uh, um, I think they said it was 6.5 a few years ago. So they're claiming there's a Jewish population increase in 1.6 million. Uh, children being raised as Jewish wow. in the United States, but we are a much older population than others. And more than one in 10 Jews is not white, as the, the Jew of color. Uh, so it's a very interesting study, but we're still 2% of the population, but right. better than some of the numbers that have been given. And the enemy would never believe that. Um, Malcolm, I must know, <laughs> uh, Sunday night, you're in a rooftop sukkah or you're on a street-level sukkah. Which one? Street level. Street level in Jerusalem. Easy for easy for people. Easy for people to drop in. No, there's a wall around the place, and, uh, <laughs> and a couple security guards. That's that's that's, that's what your that's what your son-in-laws have been doing, huh? About it. Forget <laughs> about the Lulavan Esther. You have to building that wall around the Sukkah Garden. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was. It's been there for I think a couple of decades, but uh, but Hashem, we have these, and, and the watchtower doesn't hurt either. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you, it's going to be a great holiday. Please, God, and a peaceful one. Hopefully, for everybody, we're reconvening two weeks from today. I assume. God willing. Have a wonderful Chag, and yes, thanks sir. so much for joining us. Malcolm Honline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of major American Jewish organizations. Our next weekly update will be Erev Shabbos Bracious, which is the 25th of October, two weeks from today. Make sure to be tuned in. This time each every Friday, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin.
Rabbi Emeritus, Congregation Shomrei Torah of Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Arab Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Ha'azinu. According to the Chinuch, we've already completed the 613 mitzvos of the Torah. And according to the Ramban, we have in the beginning of Parshas Ha'azinu, the 613th mitzvah of the Torah, Kishem Hashem Ekra, Havogodol Eloheinu, namely the mitzvah of Birkas HaTorah, the recitation of the brachos that we recite daily, uh, thanking HaKadosh Baruch Hu for that very special treasure the gift of Torah that he has given the Jewish people. The first thing I'd like to do is connect the parsha of Ha'azinu to that of the forthcoming Yom Tov of Sukkos. Now, just as background, how significant is the Shira of Ha'azinu? So the Ramban writes that were this shira written even by a non-Jewish soothsayer, so hard to say those words, we would still have to believe in it, because every word has come true. All the more so that this comes from Moshe, who received it from God himself. So now, let me try, first of all, to connect the Shira with, please God, the Yom Tov of Sukkos. We find, in terms of describing Jewish history, in verse Yud 10 of the Shira, Yimtzo'ehu, he Hashem, found him, meaning the Jewish people, Be'eretz Midbar, in a desert land, Uvisohu, and in the wastes of Yelel Yeshimon, of a howling wilderness, Yesovavenu, he encircled him, and Yevonenehu, he made him comprehending. What does it mean, Yesovavenu? So Rashi says, Sivavam, he, Hashem, encircled them, Vikifam, and surrounded them, Ba'anonim, with clouds. Now, this is exactly what we are celebrating in the Yom Tov of Sukkos, as the Mechaber begins the laws of Sukkos by telling us, interestingly, what we are to remember when we sat in the Sukkah. The Rambam goes with the opinion of Rabbi Eliezer that the Sukkos are to remind us of the Ananei Kavod, that God encircled and protected the Jewish people with his clouds in the desert. And we go further, the understanding of Yvonnenhu, what does it mean? He made them comprehending, says Rashi, B'Torah Ubina, with Torah and with understanding. So God protected us in the Midbar, and he provided us with the ability to understand, appreciate, and study his Torah. Now, interestingly, the Yom Tov of 
Sukkos is called Zman Simchaseinu, the time of our happiness. Interestingly, if you look at the end of the Kriyasa Torah, in Parshas Re'ei, which we're going to read, please God, on uh, Shmini Atzeres, so there, in conjunction with the Yom Tov of Sukkos, we find the admonition of Simcha no less than three times. Shavuos twice, and none by Pesach. Why is there the greatest Simcha on Sukkos? Sarav Salvechik, Zechron of Racha, said beautifully, it has to do with the fact that Birkas HaTorah, and there are two according to the Rush, and three according to the uh, Rambam, two brachos, one for Torah, Shebechsav, the written Torah, namely the bracha of Asher Bocharbonu Mikol Amim Menosalonu Es Torah So, the bracha for the written Torah, and then the bracha of Aharivna, which is for the oral Torah. We make two brachos because there are two Torah. And now, when it comes to Sukkos, we have the most proliferation, demonstration of oral law than any of the other Chagim. The very fact that we take an Esrog universally, where is that found in the Torah? The Torah says, pre-Eitz Hadar, literally, the fruit of a beautiful tree, a beautiful fruit. Well, if we ask all our different listeners, I think we'll come up with many different options for a beautiful fruit. There is no question we take an esrog. Why? Because this is what the oral law has told us. And there are so many fascinating laws regarding the construction of the sukkah, how many walls a sukkah has to have, that a dofen akuma, that have a schach in the middle, and there's a gap less than dalid amos, then the walls actually are looked upon as if they become the roof. There's lovud, meaning that the wall does not have to come down to the very bottom, but if it's within gimel tfachim, it's going to uh, be considered like it is down to the ground. The laws of good asik, that it ascends down, that it goes up. The laws of schach itself, what is to be made of. All this, that teshvu ke'en teduru, all this is based upon the oral law. And therefore, when Rashi says, Yivonenenu, that Hashem gave us the understanding and clarity of Jewish law, this is found in the sukkah. I'd like to suggest, however, that the sukkah, interestingly, surrounds us, but the sukkah is a combination of heaven and earth. That just as the beginning of the song, Hazinu HaShamayim Vadabira, the bringing together of heaven and earth, this is what the sukkah is. 
because we're sitting on the ground. However, we are remembering the Ananei Kavod, the clouds of glory from Hashem. And not only that, we take the psoles, the literally that which is left over of the Goren and the Yekev, of that which is the wine press and that which is the grain, that which is left over, and we put that on the roof, and that's transformed to a tzila dimenem nusa, the shade of faith, that one is actually sitting in the shade of faith. The Torah says, Chagasukos Lashem, that there is a sanctity to the sukkah, and that's why one should be especially careful not to do activities in the sukkah that would really not be in accordance with a chefza of mitzvah, which is a very significant point. How one speaks in the sukkah, how one acts in the sukkah, how one should not bring in their TV into the sukkah during Chola Moed. This is the idea that the sukkah represents this kedusha. So, and interestingly, the rabbis point out that there are two mitzvos that one enters literally with their entire body into the mitzvah, and that is the sukkah and the mitzvah of Eretz Yisrael. So. The first thing that we are to be aware of is the fact that Yisobavenu Hashem enveloped us. Now, interestingly, we find by Sukkah a law which is unique to Sukkos, and that is that Mitzta'er Potrimena Sukkah, somebody who is most uncomfortable, is exempt from the Sukkah. Now, why should that be? After all, we don't say that regarding other mitzvos. So the Be'er Yosef has a very fine explanation. He says that, as we shall read, please God, next Monday and Tuesday from Parshas Emor, when the Torah says we are to sit in Sukkah, the Torah says, Ki hoshavti, that Hashem caused us to reside in the Sukkah. So the rabbis tell us that basically the Sukkah provided for us air conditioning by day when it was hot by day, heat by night when it was cold by night. So it was a kind of five-star hotel. Basically, the Anani Kavod ironed their clothing from one day to the next. So, if one sukkah is especially uncomfortable, depending upon where a person is, very cold, very hot, so from the letter of the law, they could go in the house. Now, it might truly disturb them more to be in the house than to be in the sukkah, so they'll put on a sweater and a heavy coat, etc. But from the letter of the law, this is true except for the first night, which we'll speak about in another moment. I just want to say, in terms that aside from the mitzvah of sukkah, which begins this coming Sunday night, and in Israel, seven days. In Chutz Aris, it is eight days, right? And then we have Shmini Atzeris and Simchas Torah. There is the biblical mitzvah on the first day in Israel, and for us the first two days of taking the Arba Minim, the four species, the Lulav, the Esrog, the Hadassim, and the Aravos. And we should be aware of the different symbolism for that. 
the Chinuch says that they represent the four primary aspects, Evarim, of our body, and that the Esrog is Domelelev to the heart, where we have the intelligence of man, the emotion of man, that man is to serve God with his heart, the Lulav, which is the Shedra, corresponding to the spine, which is that which gives man his uh, ability to stand straight and his uh, dignity, to show that he is straightening his body to serve Hashem, the Hadas, the Myrtle, which is similar to the eyes, that we are to keep them focused on a proper thing in terms of maintaining our loyalty to Him. And finally, the Arava, which is the willow, which is Domelis Fasayim, that with our mouth we are to honor God. We take these four uh, vegetative growths and we channel each of our important parts of our body to Him. The Medrash Rabbah in Vayikra, Emor 23.40 says on that Pasuk that you have the following. The Priyat's Adar is Yisrael. Each of the four are Yisrael. But the Esrog has both Tam and Reyach, taste and scent. So too, it represents those Jews that have both Torah and good deeds. The Lulav, the Kapos Tmarim, are the Jewish people, representing that which has taste and doesn't have scent. So too, those that have Torah and don't have good deeds. The Anaf Eitz Avos, the Hadasim, the Willow, I'm sorry, the Myrtle, that refers to the Hadasim which have scent and don't have taste, those Jews that have good deeds and don't have Torah. And finally, the Aravos, the willow, Oi, this refers to those Jews that don't yet have neither nor tam nor reach, neither taste nor uh, scent, which means they don't yet have Torah and don't yet have good deeds. And what does the Torah say? And what does the Torah Shabbal Peh tell us to do? We are to bind them all together. And and we atone one for another. There's a responsibility that the Arba Minim take you know, for us. Let me just review quickly some of the laws of uh, Sukkos. And that is that if you have any questions regarding your Sukkah, if it's in a proper place, please call your rabbi and make sure that he comes and pays a house call to make sure that your sukkah is correct. How high the sukkah could be, not higher than 20 amos, and ideally it should have four walls. If it has less than four walls, check with your rav. The walls could be made of any material as long as they are sturdy enough to withstand a wind. That is a ruach mitsuya, a normal wind for this season. The schach, very important. The sukkah is to be covered with schach, a material of vegetable origin, which must be detached from the ground, which is not subject to the laws of tuma, ritual impurity. Branches, bamboo poles, today many use 
these uh, bamboo shades, etc. Um, please try to get one with a hashkacha. It would certainly uh, make sure that your sukkah and schach is uh, kosher. There is an idea that preferably the schach should not lie directly <clears throat> on something which is subject to tumor, ritual impurity, something should not lie directly the schach on metal poles. Talk to you again, your rav, about that. And while the schach should make sure that the area of the sukkah, at least 51%, is shaded by the schach. And the schach should not be dense enough to provide protection from a heavy rain. The rain must be able to penetrate. It has to be, quote-unquote, vulnerable to the rain. One has to be careful that if there's a gap in the schach of gimel tfachim, of openness, that could disqualify the sukkah. So therefore, on top, put a pole going across the schach uh, um, might be going vertically and put a, another piece going horizontally which could save you from that uh, mishap should there be a gap in the schach. And make sure your sukkah is not built under any projection, be it a ledge, an overhang, or uh, a tree. Okay, now let's talk about the mitzvah of sukkah. The rabbis understand when the Torah says, Basukos Teshvu, Shivas Yomim, that you are to reside in a sukkah for seven days, they understand it means Teshvu Kein Taduru. You are to reside in the sukkah as you would in your home. And therefore, eating, if you're not yet married, sleeping, married men are exempt from sleeping in the sukkah unless they're given, quote, permission, etc. But the idea is that during the day, if you take a nap on Yom Tov, Cholamoid, take it in the sukkah. And learning, entertaining, should be in the, um, in the sukkah. And throughout the week of sukkos, from the letter of the law, anything made of the five grains, wheat, barley, rye, oats, and spilt, we're talking about bread, we're talking about cereals, okay, should, you know, uh, pasta, if you have enough of a large quantity, a uh, beitzah's worth, okay, that's considered a meal, which is the, uh, not the actual size of an egg, but the compressed volume of an egg, that must be eaten in the sukkah, and the bracha of leshe basuka is recited after one recites the bracha. You're having pasta in the sukkah, you make a bracha of mizonos, and then you make the bracha of leshe basuka. Okay, now, the uh, idea is that from the letter of the law, there are foods that one could eat um, outside the sukkah, fruits, vegetables, water may be eaten outside the sukkah. But there's no question about it that if a person even goes, assuming you've got a sukkah, not three blocks away in the shul sukkah, but you have your own sukkah on your deck, easily accessible, or downstairs, even for a glass of water, 
it's considered praiseworthy to eat, to drink it in the sukkah. One is not obligated to, but one certainly could and should. Now, there is a special obligation on the first night of sukkah to eat in the sukkah. Now, this is learned from the Gzei the common phraseology in the Torah between the holiday of Pesach, which is on the 15th of the first month, and the holiday of Sukkos, the 15th of the seventh month. And the rabbis understand that just as on the first night of Pesach, one must eat um, a kezayis worth of matzah, so too on the first night of Sukkot, one must eat a in the sukkah. Now, how much? If, interestingly, it's a separate halacha of eating, then even a kezayis worth would be sufficient. If it follows the rules of sukkah, then you should eat not simply a kezayis, but a larger piece of challah in the sukkah, and that is a kebezah's worth. So I strongly urge that when you're in the sukkah this coming Sunday night, that you have a nice piece of challah after you have washed and you uh, make the hamotzi. Now, should it R-A-I-N, I don't even want to say the dirty word, on the first night of Sukkot, understand what you're doing and why you're doing it. Normally, if it rains during Sukkot, there's no longer a mitzvah of Sukkot. There's no mitzvah to sit in the Sukkot in the rain, period. However, the first night, there is the opinion that says that because we learn it out, from matzah, there is an obligation to eat in the sukkah, and therefore you would wait 45 minutes or so, maybe a little bit more, until the family says, that's it, we have to move on. So, interestingly, what we would do is, just the first night, you would put on your raincoat, you would make kiddush in the sukkah. And you would not say the bracha of Leshev Basuka. The Shechianu is going on the Yom Tov, not on the Sukkah. You would then go inside the house and wash on the Tilas Yadayim. You would take in a plastic bag your piece of challah, eat your kezayas, a little bit more of challah in the Sukkah, go in the house and finish the meal. If it stops before you go to bed, Go back in the sukkah and make a bracha of wash, if you haven't already benched, if you've already benched, wash again, and you sit in the sukkah, now that it stopped raining, and you'd make the bracha of Leshev Basukah. This is true on the first night, okay? Only the first night. On the second night, one does not have to Wait. If it is raining, one eats in the home. I can only tell you, invite people to your sukkah. Think, and especially Sunday night, when it's a biblical mitzvah to eat in the sukkah. Think about your neighbors who might not have a sukkah. Invite them to join you in the sukkah. Please, I urge everybody listening to try their best 
to eat in the sukkah, especially Sunday night. And I would tell the entire listening audience, please think of those friends and neighbors, especially those who might not have a sukkah. Call them, invite them for a meal, that they should have the experience of sitting in the sukkah. I just want to take this opportunity of wishing everybody a true Yom Tov in the spirit of the Zaman Simchasenu that we should appreciate how privileged we are to have this Yom Tov of getting quote-unquote close to Hashem. Please God, next week we'll talk more about the uh, um, aspect of the end days of the Yom Tov, but recognize how privileged we are. I take this opportunity of wishing Nachum and his family and our entire listening audience a wonderful Yom Tov, a good Shabbos for Shabbos Parshas Hazinu, and a good Yom Tov for the forthcoming Zman Simchaseinu. Gericht 
mit ablassen Gesicht. Bringt mir meine Tochter allein, sie stellt weg und sagt mit Schwert, Adele ist so gebaut, baut There it is, the song everybody seems to have been requesting. <laughs> the rabbi sends an asukala. Friday morning, time to say good Shabbos with Journeys at JM in the AM. It's waiting there for you. Oh, it's time to say good Shabbos. Because all your work is done. Gonna spend the day together with the Holy One. Say a special. Say it's 
Achenu Yisrael and Achimachem, our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio, around the world, the web, and AchimSegal.com. On the AchimSegal Network, and of course, on the beloved NSN app. Coming up next, you know it, it's going to be uh, Naomi Nachman with an ama- amazing encore presentation of the... Um, Table for Two program. Elon Kornblum of Great Kosher Restaurants, Chef David Kalotkin, and Yaakov Goodman of Mana Health Market. They are going to join Naomi. Kedem presents the Arab Shabbos Show with Mark Zamek at 10 a.m. Thank you to Harry Rothenberg, his video blog for Hazinu at 1 o'clock Eastern Time. And of course, our Kedem presentation of the Arab Shabbos music mix all the way until candlelighting time. Tomorrow night, Saturday night, Seagull. Sunday, JM Sunday for Erev Yom Tov. And, of course, we speak to you next on Wednesday morning, the first day of Cholomoid in the diaspora. A wonderful Shabbos and a great Yom Tov, everybody. And until uh, Wednesday morning, Nachum Segal reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.